Welcome. You're listening to the Think Like an Entrepreneur podcast because it turns out there's no such thing as a struggling entrepreneur. There are only business owners still operating from an employee mindset. I'm your host, business coach Katherine Morrison. Now let's dig in. Hey everybody, how's it going? Today we're going to talk about a really sneaky thought that if you don't bring it into your awareness could keep you from ever unbinding yourself and flying in the first place, or it might get triggered once you start flying and then your brain might tell you to stop flying so high, to come down, that you're making people uncomfortable, or even worse, that you're leaving them behind. Do you ever get flavors of that thought? This has been one I have worked deeply on within myself, and I see it come up a lot for my clients, particularly as they're starting to come into making a lot of money. And as I come deeper and deeper into this work, and I see so clearly how our belief systems and thoughts create the profit in our business, the amount in our savings account, the investments we make or don't make, I find it so fascinating how it all works and how invisible it all is how based in our minds all of it is, and because of how invisible it is, we end up just making a fuck ton of assumptions about earning money, about having money, about our ability to make money doing what we love, that often do not serve us at all. Thoughts that have you pinning your own wings down. So today's episode is going to kick off a longer series deep dive into this, because if we remember what an entrepreneur is, An entrepreneur is an artist of business. And what differentiates a business from, I don't know, a nonprofit is, well, profit, money. The value that the entrepreneur creates for the world is exchanged for money, for profit. An entrepreneur that doesn't know how to make money makes about as much sense as a chef that doesn't know how to cook. But for many people who have only ever been employees, They haven't unpacked their giant backpack of money thoughts. And then coming into entrepreneurship, you're going to want to look at this, right? If what differentiates an entrepreneur from an employee is that an entrepreneur is able to create money on demand for themselves, they have their own vision and they create money towards that. Yes, the way that you think your relationship and belief system around money is going to matter a lot, right? And You want to look at this from like every single different lens that your brain has just inherited thoughts that it hasn't unpacked and examined critically from your culture, from your family, from your nine to five industry, because very often that system is not compatible with the belief system of an entrepreneur. If you remember one of the largest differences between employees and entrepreneurs, employees are taught how much they can make for their salary band. And then their job is to manage their finite resources within that salary band that they are assigned for the role, for the job that they decide to have in the company, in society, whatever, right? But the earning potential of an entrepreneur is capped only by their mind. Their earning potential is limitless and money is abundant. It's just their job to create the commensurate amount of value in the marketplace to meet their income goals. Your earning potential is limitless in your business. So if it doesn't feel like that, we're going to 
head up into the attic of your mind today to start shining a flashlight into some of the little nooks and crannies, find some cobwebs, because this fundamentally comes down to the difference between a scarcity and abundance mindset. And today I want to talk about it from this one particular lens, and it's all of the different costumes that I see money scarcity wearing, because it pops up all over the place, but its costume will look different depending on who you are. And by who you are, today I want you to examine every single layer of your identity. Like, all right, guys, you're a croissant. You know, all those buttery, flaky layers? Lots of layers make up that croissant. You are, and your identity are the same way. Layer after layer. Your gender, your race, your culture, your spirituality. Hell, your physical geography, where you live in the world. Because here's the deal, your brain has assumptions about each of those layers and what it means about your ability to make and have lots of money. Assumptions we just picked up from culture or um, (laughs) white supremacy and patriarchy or the history of your ancestors or whatever, right? But a group of people, a tribe is how your brain processes it. This tribe can end up having a belief system of money scarcity that has just been collectively unexamined and unchallenged. We can't control anybody else, but we, what we can control is your brain and your thoughts. So let's look at them today, right? Because when we as people operate within scarcity, and this would be true of any resource scarcity, it's a very default brain pattern within our species to adopt the mindset of, I feel left behind, so I'm going to tear you down. Anybody with kids, you see this starts young. If your kid is playing a game outside with their friends and they feel like they were skipped over or passed over or not seen, and their response is to like call their friends stupid heads or whatever, right? And we can see it so clearly in the child, the way that they are just lashing out and responding as a visceral response, right, to feeling like they were unseen or unheard or left behind. But what we fail to see is that we as adults are playing this, right, just on a much larger stage at a much deeper and higher level. And we are playing this game as adults with money, (laughs) with lots of other things. But today, because I'm a business coach, we're focusing on how it comes up in your brain around money. Our brains developed when resources like food were literally scarce. Resources were scarce. We didn't have a grocery store just down the street with eight different kinds of tomatoes we could just pick up. And so we now as humans have this archaic neural circuitry in our brains that no longer serves us at all. And it can trigger this. I feel left behind, so I'm going to tear you down. It's very much the spirit of, if I can't have it, neither can you. It is scarcity. And then to this primal brain pattern, we then add into the mix tribalism and a million different costumes are born. But the thing that happens across the board, no matter the costume it wears, is that when we as people adopt this belief, we become like crabs in buckets pulling each other down. Have you ever seen crabs in buckets? Like if you went out, to the ocean and caught a bunch of crabs, you could just literally leave the top off of the bucket and none of them would ever get out 
because as soon as a crab starts to try to climb out of the bucket, the other crabs pull it down. So although freedom is right there, totally open to them, one by one, they pull each other down until they all end up in the crab boil. And the first example I'll start off with today is pretty innocuous and a cultural example I remember from being a teenager that I just think about a lot sometimes. And I'm like, oh yeah, this was just like the, the culture that I was immersed in. So I just began to think this way. When I was growing up, I hung out with the hipster kids, had my septum pierced. I was a little, little punk rock kid, guys. And the hipster kids took pride in liking things that were different and liking things that weren't mainstream. Because to them, they tied being mainstream together with being inauthentic. And so as I was getting older, an interesting thing was happening. Indie was going more mainstream. And the hipster kids that I hung out with would get very mad. And because I identified as part of that in-group, I decided that I was also going to get mad too when a band that I liked went mainstream, which for us, I grew up in the Philadelphia area. There was the Trocadero, right? That was like where uh, you, the, you could still be cool, right? It was small enough that it was like, yeah, the bands that play at the Troc, like they're cool. But when the bands got bigger than the Troc and they decided to play at larger venues, we decided that we would call them sellouts. We judged them. And while I don't think any of us were consciously aware, because most humans don't have the tools of managing and seeing their brains, we were not aware of what we were doing. But when I now examine what was happening in our brains, it was like this collective response to feeling like we were being left behind. Like we couldn't see this band we loved in the small venue anymore, where we had to pay more for tickets. And rather than be happy for this band for creating success based on the music that they had created for us that like fed our souls, we decided to be angry. The crab had left our bucket and the closest thing we could do to pulling it down was leaving mean comments on online forums. This is, this was me when I was a teenager. I'm sure you could still see many mean comments like this in online forums today. It's 2021, not much has changed. You see this happen with geography. You guys have heard my dad's story, and he grew up in tremendous poverty in North Carolina. And he had moved up to Pennsylvania to marry my mom and have a family. And then when we would go back down to the South every summer to visit family growing up, there were some family members that resented my dad for having achieved the success that he did. And the costume it would take on there was comments about him becoming a Yankee which is apparently in the South, not a thing you want to be. Or more widely, when people in small towns judge the people who move to the big city because it means they've gotten too big for their britches, or again, that they've sold out somehow. The intersection of this with race will surface different costumes. I have a client who's a Mexican-American and her parents worked super hard to get them out of poverty. And then her cousins would then later tease her about the neighborhood she moved into and how it meant that she thought she was white now. And because this happened when she was a kid, rather than have the awareness in her brain that like what she's now doing as, as an adult is just redefining what wealth means for her family line and herself as a Mexican-American, it began to tie this like weird, I don't know, like is, is achieving success mean like leaving behind my cultural heritage or is it somehow wrong to make money. You see this in spirituality, both in organized religion with literal verses in the Bible, 
right? Or in just broader spiritual communities. This belief that to have material wealth is somehow morally wrong. And so here it wears that costume of moral superiority. I have a client whose business is within the spiritual space. And as she has been coming into making more and more money, she had a former spiritual mentor that caught wind of it and took the time to reach out to her to let her know that she shouldn't be making so much money, that it was somehow wrong. And the moral superiority lens is really interesting because it like it, the person then like throwing the judgment doesn't even recognize that that's what it is. It like they're, they're like, no, 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 I'm really trying to help. You see this with the way some women will judge other women for speaking up boldly online or for making lots of money, what it means about them as humans, as women or mothers, just broad brushstrokes painted across them because of an uninvestigated belief system that some women have that to be a good woman means to be quiet, to not make others uncomfortable, to not speak openly about money. Because guys, we, ne- we didn't see the Disney princesses doing it in the movies when we were growing up. And if we didn't see the Disney princesses doing it, we probably shouldn't do it, right? <laughs> like, this is how crazy it is. Because when you start to unpack this belief system and critically examine it to make decisions for yourself about your values and your beliefs, you will feel the entire thing unravel at your feet. And then there's another bucket, which I find very interesting, which I'm calling conditional scarcity. Because some of my clients come from a world where across the board, all they have known and seen is money scarcity. But I also have a very large number of clients who made a lot of money as corporate employees. But the belief system they existed within was that they could only make lots of money. They could only have financial abundance doing a job they didn't love or having to pretend to be someone they weren't. I work with a lot of lawyers and doctors and management consultants, and they were often raised to believe that success looked like a very specific path, and deviating from that path meant failure. Or even worse, in some cultures, deviating from that path meant dishonor to your family. So they believe that tremendous wealth exists, but that it's only stored in certain areas. And then when they want to make money doing the thing that they feel called to do, they end up bumping up against their conditional scarcity beliefs, that it's not possible to access abundance doing the thing they really want. And then because that's the belief system that they operate in, they have friends and coworkers that also have that belief system. And then they kind of raise their eyebrows when, when they start their business and they're like, are you sure you want to do this? You're getting your quarterly bonus soon. I mean, come on, just relax. So now that I've spent a few minutes diving in to the different layers of identity that this could show up within, the different costumes that this belief could be wearing, depending on what layer of your identity it's hanging out in, I now want you to consider this. Where are you doing this to other people? And this could be super obvious. Maybe your brain is like, oh, I literally did or said one of those things that Catherine just ran through, but it also might be much more subtle. This could come out as judgment directed towards others, or it could come out as something as subtle as the way your brain rationalizes why it's easier for some other people to make more money than you. You guys have heard me talk about this before, but one I still find myself coaching myself on sometimes is that it's harder for me to make money because I have so many small children at home. 
You guys, I literally started my business when I was pregnant with my third child. I was on a hospital bed rest for a month before he was born, literally coaching clients from my hospital room and grew into multiple six figures while still nursing him and getting up with him every single night. And even though I have like proved this thought untrue time and time again, my brain still offers this thought to me sometimes. My brain wants to tear other women down who are ahead of me. It wants to discount their success because they don't have kids. I used to just let that thought pattern run. That brain pattern would just go unquestioned. And I sat in my victimhood. But now that I see it's just a thought, I get to decide what I want to do with it. I actually remember having a conversation with my mom and I was telling her about all of the incredible success of the women I was surrounded by in my coach's mastermind. And I remember my mom remarking that they must not have kids or that that they must have more help at home. And in that moment, rather than being in the conversation, I was able to be an observer of what was happening in our brains. We are all just crabs living in buckets. And my mom had a thought that women with kids couldn't be wild successfully, like wildly successful professionally. And she was totally trying to offer me a thought so that I wouldn't have to feel bad that they were ahead of me. But if I continue to just take that thought she offered me, if I just like, okay, thank you for offering me that. I'm just going to like take that and bite it and eat it and digest it and take it into my own belief system, right? If I continue to do that, I would just be sealing the fate on myself staying inside of that bucket. I wouldn't even need the man, the patriarchy holding me down because I'd be doing it for myself. And in that moment, I threaded the needle on what had been happening in my own brain and had so much compassion for my mom's brain and decided that I didn't want to sit in the bucket anymore. I feel left behind, so I'm going to tear you down. If earning and having money does not feel expansive and limitless to you, I want you to remember you are just a crab right now in a bucket. But if we were to zoom up from the bucket, like if I had a drone with a camera on it, imagine we are zoomed in on a single one of these buckets. And then I zoom the drone up. And then what you'll see is a cluster full of buckets side by side in neat little rows And each one of them is just full of crabs pulling each other down. But then when I zoom the drone up a little bit more, what you're actually able to see is that all of these buckets full of crabs are just sitting on a wide open, expansive beach right next to the ocean. And as your eyes adjust to the new angle, you notice that on that wide open, expansive beach are crabs. Crabs that are completely free. They're just scuttling back and forth dipping into the suds of the salty ocean waves, and then back onto the warmth of the soft sand. And I want you to break down every single piece of your identity and ask yourself, am I living in a bucket or am I living on the beach? And if it feels like you're in a bucket, I want you to ask yourself, why? Because the most fascinating thing I've observed is that most people just have perceived judgment of a group that their brain has created, that people will judge them without any evidence or because one person said something one time and their brain has now created an elaborate story of what it will mean if they become very successful, if they start making fuck tons of money. Maybe you believe that if you start making a lot of money, people in your community will start whispering about you. 
Or maybe you believe that your job as a multiple six-figure executive is safe, but that starting the business you're passionate about, which is creative and nourishes the deepest part of you, won't ever make money. So you just nestle yourself down into that bucket when the top is wide open and you can hear the soft sound of the ocean waves just there waiting for you. And for those of you with the thought, I'm leaving people behind or I don't want to leave people behind, I want you to answer this question. How does you staying in the bucket help them? Seriously, how does you staying in the bucket help the others in the bucket? What's interesting is that when you leave the bucket, the other crabs see you get out. And if you got out of the bucket, it means they can too. You become an example of what's possible and it creates a chain reaction. Because here's the truth, you guys. We don't have anybody else physically pulling us down. We aren't out there building our businesses and people are literally grabbing onto our legs and trying to yank us away from doing our marketing and posting on social media. We aren't actually like crabs in buckets being physically restrained by others from escape. We might have someone else say words to us. We might have someone else raise an eyebrow at us. We might have someone else ask us a skeptical question. And then in reaction, we will have thoughts about what people say or what people ask and what that one raised eyebrow we got meant. And the thoughts that our brain offers us in response can very easily put us in a prison that feels like being trapped at the bottom of a bucket with no ladder out. But the only thing you need to create a ladder is a different thought, a different perspective. And an entrepreneur who has built a business to create freedom for their own lives, but who is not free within their own minds, is still in shackles. I want to end with a story from one of my masterminders. She's a financial planner that helps people create money freedom. And she's starting to have back-to-back like $11,000, $12,000 months. And she recently had an experience where she was out with a friend and mentioned the new financial success she was coming into. And her perception of the experience was that her friend was uncomfortable. And then her mind started to tell her that she was going to lose her friends, that her success would have to be at the cost of the relationships she so deeply valued. So she got, she came to our Facebook page, she got some great coaching on the page, and it was such a beautiful experience to watch how deeply held our group is for each other within the mastermind. But that's not why I'm telling the story. Why I'm telling the story is because of what happened next. Because you know the friend that she was worried about, that was judging her, that was uncomfortable with her success, that thought she was getting too successful, a week later, that friend filled out an application to work with her. Her friend was not trying to keep her in the bucket. It was only her thoughts trying to keep her in the bucket. And because she made the conscious decision to get out of the bucket, she scaled to five-figure months in her business, and this month is leaving her nine to five. And her friend now sees it's possible for her too. And now her friend sees, oh, okay, if she can get out of the bucket, I can get out of the bucket too. And now her friend is starting her climb out of the bucket. That's how we all get onto the beach, my friends. But you can't climb out of the bucket until you realize you're in one. So spend some time thinking about your beliefs and making money, about investing money, about spending money, and then consider... Do these thoughts feel tight and constricted like I'm in a bucket or do they feel expansive and open like I'm on a beach? If it feels like you're in a bucket, 
It's a bucket. And today is as good as day as any to climb out, my friends. If you are loving what you are hearing and you're ready to take the work deeper, there are currently two ways to work with me. The first is within the Think Like an Entrepreneur Mastermind for new entrepreneurs who have created their first $10,000 within their business and are now ready to scale into consistent $10,000 months. The next round will enroll in February of 2021 and spots will open to my mailing list before it goes out to the whole wide world of the internet. So get on it. The last round sold out within days and I was only able to accept 50% of the applications. So make sure you are on my mailing list. The second is within private coaching with me, which is designed for entrepreneurs who have gone full-time in their business and are now ready to scale into their first quarter million dollar year. So depending on where you are at and what you desire, I got you. Head over to www.katherinemorrisoncoaching.com to learn more. I'll see you there.